Okay, a few announcements. Good morning and have a blessed Christmas to all of you. Uh, these few announcements let me bring to your um, attention. There is no evening service today, uh, so, um, so we'll just have the morning service. Also, keep, take note that there will be communion. We will be celebrating the Lord's Supper next Lord's Day, so prepare your hearts this week for that. And also next Sunday, if you will note it in your bulletin, uh, in the sense of preparation, uh, the diaconate offering will be collected next Sunday morning. And also, you can make donations of the non-perishable food items for the deacon food basket, okay, which can be placed near the bookshelves or given to one of the deacons. So keep that in mind this week, maybe as you go shopping as well. Also, one other very important announcement, there are a number of cards in the back on the table. Uh, so after the service, uh, these are for people who have been shut-ins or those who have not been coming because of their still the situation of the COVID. And so we run it as a congregation, send them a card. And so please, uh, please sign those cards uh, as you are, uh, as you leave today, it would be much appreciated. We just don't want a, just a few signatures. We want a, a number of signatures from the congregation. The as we proceed in the service today, uh, as has been our case in the past, uh, please take note that. The hymns, uh, once we begin our readings, will not be announced. The hymns will not be announced. We will go right into singing the hymns. Let us come together in silent meditation. Congregation, please stand. Please note that our call of worship this morning is a responsive one. If you have your bulletins, please have them open at this point. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Let us turn to number 208 in the Red Trinity Hymnal, number 208.
coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. O Lord, in thy spirit, lift us up unto thee, and help us, O Lord, be there unto thy presence. Ever and ever, and may our worship today be that which is well-pleasing in thy sight. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be, the great, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her.
Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, he was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. When Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus.
chapter of Luke, verses 1 through 12. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quinarius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger.
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them.
Matthew 2, verse 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is so, so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. And from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Please stand for the next hymn.
may be seated. Our Savior came into the world, of course, as a baby. He's exalted to the right hand of the Father to make intercession for us. Let us enter into the priestly function of the Lord Jesus Christ, pleading for him to perfect our prayers as we come before him together this morning. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, we are so thankful that the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ is celebrating this day throughout the world, the entrance of the Word of Life, the Light of Light. We ask, O Lord, that the light that shines upon us through thy revelation in thy Son, quickening unto our hearts by thy Holy Spirit, will be that which endures through trial, temptation, through the tests of life itself, We thank Thee, O Lord, for the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the celebration of His birth, but also the consummation of His work that was set forth here on earth, His death and His resurrection and His ascension on our behalf. For there is no peace without the cross in the resurrection. There is no fellowship without the cross and resurrection. There is no faith without the cross and resurrection. We ask, O Lord, that you would continue to establish us as thy people here upon the earth, that we would manifest and reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ the testimony of his word, the counsel of his spirit, and give us wisdom each day, not only in terms of our own lives, but as we can encourage others and also point others to the wonderful truth that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us not to miss the incarnation, the importance of Emmanuel now fulfilling that temple aspect, that tabernacle aspect. He is now in flesh and blood. He is the one who has come in the world to tabernacle among us. He is the one who is God with us. He never departs from us by virtue of the spirit which he has sent and we're thankful for his continual guidance. We ask, O God, that you would strengthen thy people and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the world, and we think this morning 
of the Hogeboards family and the ministry that is going on in Ukraine there by Hero and his wife, Anya. We ask that you would be with them, give to them the physical and emotional and spiritual health that they themselves will have to encourage others, those that come unto them for help, help them to be those who are able to be willing, give them the resources to reach out to others so that they understand, others will understand not only that which they give to them physically, but also that which is really coming from those who are spiritually in union with thee. We ask that you'd be with Tyler and Natalie Dietrich in Dayton, Ohio, and their ministry to Spanish-speaking people and also the Muslim neighborhoods. We would ask for the gospel going forth from them and their ministry there and help their outreach to those communities. We ask that you'd be with Dustin Thompson in Medford, Oregon. We thank thee so much for his ministry there. And we ask, O oh Lord, that it would be that which is strengthened. We thank thee for the call that he has received there. And we ask that the flock would be encouraged and that it would continue in spiritual growth. We think in our own congregation. We think of those who are the widows and widowers this very day. And for many of them, this is a time of great loneliness. And we ask, O oh God, that you would fill them with the presence of not only the incarnate word, but also the resurrected word in their lives, that they would be comforted with the joy of his continuation of being present in their life. Give them the peace in the joy of serving the Lord among us and also in terms of their own life before you, thy holy name. We ask that you'd be with Norm and Sherry Long. We ask that you would continue to watch over them and bless them in their services to this congregation. We ask that you'd be with their children. They plead, O oh Lord, before you that your gift of salvation would be revealed unto them. We ask this continually in our prayers, and we would ask for the quick day that that would arrive. We, they also ask for a continual growth in their own love and faith for Christ, as it is clearly abundant in their lives. We ask for your continual strength upon them, and that they would have opportunities to share the gospel with others. And we thank thee, O Lord, that they've been granted good seasons of good health, recovery from sickness recently, and we thank thee, O Lord, that they have been restored. We thank thee also so much for, for Mike and Carol Musi. We thank thee for their love of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which shines every day before us. We are so thankful for Mike's retirement, and he is very gives praise to your name for seeing that day come. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you would continue to give him a wonderful time of retirement, for we know that it is a time in which he himself continues to serve others by your grace and by your mercy. 
We ask that you to also give to them that which reflects Christ in everything that they do. They want to be great witnesses to the Lord Jesus Christ. Grant that request. And also there give thanks for the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Savior. We ask, O Lord, that you'd be with Mary's story, as we have learned this week that she is going through a lot of pain recently, and she is not with us, and she has been a um, shut-in for a number of years. We ask that the medical team addressing her situation would be that which gives her help. We thank thee also for Matt Levi and the passing of his written test portion in terms of the sergeant. Uh, We ask that you continue to bless him in terms of his job, in terms of that which he pursues. We thank thee, O Lord, that there was a wonderful wedding in terms of Juliana and Kenny. And we thank thee for the Brown family. We ask that you'd continue to bless them and be with Dave's mother through this Christmas season as well. We think also of Debbie Donovan's father through this time. We ask that they would have a wonderful day of celebration with him uh, on this Christmas day. Lord, we also bring before thee Jan Shreve. She is in a lot of pain. She was in ER this week, and it was very, very painful in terms of her knee. We ask, O Lord, as as she now uh, rests in the comfort of your your presence, we ask that as she sees the doctor tomorrow, that there would be relief coming in terms of pain meds, things that can help her. We ask that you would be a comfort to her through this very difficult time in terms of her own suffering. We ask, O Lord, that you continue to be with Kathy Huntsberger. We thank thee, O Lord, for the continual improvement, and we ask, O Lord, that you would continue in her strength. We would ask also that you you be with those who we have learned of illness today. We ask that you be with Ron Graham. We ask that you would strengthen him as well and bring him to quick recovery from all the symptoms, flu symptoms that he is all enduring. We ask that you'd be with Lydia Eyes. We thank thee for for the recovery in the Eyes family, but we ask also that you would also bring Lydia to good health quickly. And we also think of Colin, Colin Thompson. We thank you for his life. But we have learned today also that he has a broken leg. And we ask, O Lord, that you would heal that leg and you would strengthen him also and give the Thompson family a wonderful, wonderful day of celebration of the Lord's birth. We place all these things before the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. If you would, please, turn to Micah. Chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 5 through 1a. 5 through 1a. Please listen to the holy, infallible, inerrant word of God. Now muster your troops, O daughter 
of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them unto until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. If you would please also turn over to chapter 6. I want to read verses 6 through 8, perhaps a verses that many of you have memorized in time. Micah 6, verses 6 through 8. And what shall I come before the Lord? And with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we are so thankful for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. How magnificent is your prophecy! And the prophecy that in your providence, in your divine hand, you guide to fulfill. Help us this morning not to miss that fulfillment in our own hearts. In Christ's name, amen. Let us raise the question. Why did God choose Bethlehem? In searching for an answer, I knew that one of the main answers would be found in prophecy. But what prophet? Which prophet will speak of the Messiah being born in Bethlehem? Well, we have read the text, have we not? And probably most of us here this morning have not been in the dark concerning that. It is Micah. Micah provides the answer in chapter 5, verse 2. So to answer this question, why did God choose Bethlehem? It would be well for us to briefly examine some of the highlights 
that appear in Micah's prophecy. Micah was from the town of Morseth, which is in the lowlands of Judah, halfway between Jerusalem and Gaza. This is important for at least two reasons. First, Micah has an intense compassion and sympathy for the people that live in that area. And secondly, he was quite familiar with international affairs for since many foreign enemy forces would invade Judah by the route that went through Morseth. Both reasons have importance in understanding Micah's prophecy. Micah wrote his prophecy in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, as we are told in the first chapter in the first verse. However, he also prophesies concerning Samaria, Israel, the northern kingdom, as well as Jerusalem, the southern kingdom. He writes one of the few prophecies that apply to both kingdoms. Micah's prophecy begins in the days of Jotham and finishes in the days of Hezekiah. He is a contemporary of the great prophet Isaiah. The purpose of Micah's prophecy appears in chapter 3, verse 8. To declare to Judah his transgression and to Israel his sin. And furthermore, we should not overlook that the rest of Micah's prophecy, he speaks that God definitely will send salvation for a remnant, for a few in Israel, despite the sinfulness of both Israel and Judah. Concerning the northern kingdom of Israel, Micah foretells of the impending destruction of Syria, excuse me, by, of Israel by Assyria, which would occur in 722 B.C. Their sins will be laid bare. Samaria, its capital city, will not stand the pending judgment of the Lord. That introduces the prophecy in chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. After the, this warning to the northern kingdom, Micah then turns to the southern kingdom. He tells them to take warning of the catastrophe that is about to occur to the northern kingdom in chapter 1, verses 8 through 16. From this point on, although the book is a unit to all Hebrews, north and south, Micah will focus mainly upon the southern kingdom of Judah for the rest of his book. Unlike Isaiah, who gives much attention to the political issues, Micah had a heart of compassion for the lowly peasant in the Judean countryside. In this, he understood the rich as oppressing the poor. 
and reducing the poor to the most impoverishment of living conditions. In other words, Micah gives much attention to the economic abuses, particularly the oppression of the peasant landowners by the wealthy nobles that lived in Jerusalem. In Micah's eyes, Jerusalem in his day was as bad as Samaria was. And Jerusalem is equally under the judgment of the Lord. But this is not the end of the corruption. Micah points to the rulers as corrupt because they did not dispense justice, but were themselves guilty of cruel oppression. This is mapped out in chapter 3. He scolds the judges, the priests, and what will be understood as false prophets because they condone and even encourage such immoral and depraved activity. Chapter 3, verse 11. They are lovers of evil. Chapter 3, verse 2. Haters of justice and corrupted everything that was right. Chapter 3, verse 9. All for the love of money. Yes, money is a root of evil. Even in those days, to watch corruption, just follow the money. Just follow the money. Considering Micah's divine rule warning, the leaders do not care. They do not repent. They do not thank Micah for his truthfulness. Instead, they go about in their stubborn arrogance, claiming the Lord is in their midst. Nothing will happen to them. So they declare in chapter 3, verse 11, they have become blind to the sin of their own moral corruption, which is going to be fatal for their own existence. Well, how is it going to prove fatal? Micah proclaims loud and clear these baffling words in chapter 3, verse 12. Because of you, those who are corrupt... He's referencing there. Zion shall be plowed as a field. Jerusalem shall become a heap of ruins. And the mountain of the house, referring to the temple, a wooden height. Micah is the first prophet to predict the destruction of both Jerusalem and the temple. Here is Micah predicting the destruction of the very core of Judah's religious and civil existence, the national center of their religious and civil life. 
can this really happen to God's people? They must have thought God will not allow his own city to be destroyed. The city of salvation and redemption. The city of his identification with his people. The place where he dwells in their midst in the temple. The city of promise. The city of the everlasting kingship of David. Yes, they must have thought. Micah, you must be crazy. You must be crazy. It can't happen to us. Oh, no. Oh, no. Micah's words are totally immersed in the spirit of God. For in the final analysis... It is Judah's rejection of God's grace and covenantal blessings that brings their destruction along with Jerusalem and the temple. The crimes of their sin in the ultimate sense are not crimes against humanity. but crimes against God's special electing covenantal love in the midst of his people. This point really emerges in chapter 6 when Micah reflects upon God's grace in the formative events of the Exodus the wilderness wandering, and the securing of the land. They have responded to the grace of God with a conceited idea that Mount Zion and the Davidic line in Jerusalem would never be destroyed or interrupted. But in reality, the crimes of the ruling people of Judah will bring the ruins of both Jerusalem and the temple. Here lies, here lies the key point we have been trying to expose. It brings us right to our text and right to our topic. Bethlehem, why you? Bethlehem, why you? Because of the conceit, selfishness, and the gravity of the sin of its ruling people in Jerusalem, their dear city will not be the place where the true and final ruler over Israel will be born. Most likely, Most people prior to Micah's prophecy thought that the Messiah would be born in Jerusalem. Instead, the Lord chooses the city of the birthplace and ancestry of David himself, the final and great ruler and king over all Israel will be born in an un. Heidi town, 
a poor town. Did you note a town too small to be among the clans of Judah? Bethlehem. Not the place where David ruled Jerusalem, but the place where David emerged as a child, as a child. O Bethlehem, city of David, in true fashion to God's continual covenantal election, God exalts the lowly, the humble. God exalts the ordinary, the marginal. Bethlehem embodies the exact identity Jesus gives to his own messianic ministry as he speaks in the synagogue in Luke chapter 4. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the who? The poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering sight to the blind. And he set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the day of the Lord's favor. Yes, in the Lord's judgment, Bethlehem, not Jerusalem, will be the birthplace of his son, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ. The Messiah will come to restore the children of Israel. He will come as a child born of a woman. And he will be the eternal king and ruler of Israel. He will come, as we read in our text this morning, as a shepherd gathering his faithful remnant those faithful few unto himself and those whom he gathers will remain in him. And he will be a great king to the ends of the earth, set apart since the ancient of days prior to the creation of the heavens and the earth to have dominion over all things and all peoples, Jew and Gentile. He will reign. He will reign in the strength of the Lord and in the majesty of the name of the Lord. And he will be our peace, our shalom. The essence, the essence of the kingdom that the Messiah brings is identified with the place of Christ's birth. Congregation in biblical revelation, a geographical place can convey the essence 
of the gospel. A geographical place can describe the essence of the gospel. Christ coming into the world, born in a stable, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger in Bethlehem, is one supernatural revelation that encompasses the two forms of God's revelation. Please hear this. It undermines almost every systematic theology ever written. Please hear this. I'll repeat. Christ coming in the world, born in a stable, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger in Bethlehem, is one supernatural revelation that encompasses the two forms of God's revelation. First, God's special revelation of the word of God. The very person of God becoming flesh. Taking place upon the landscape of God's natural revelatory place in Bethlehem. You never separate natural revelation and special revelation in God's activity in history. It's always integrated together. Christ is born in a place on the terrain of history. On the terrain of the earth. It has meaning. God owns the earth. He does things for a reason. God's special revelation of that of the word of God is come. Are we grasping this? The place where baby Jesus comes into the world points to the Messiah's saving service. His saving service. Where he is born points to his saving service to the oppressed, to the lowly, to the sick, to the suffering, to the downtrodden, to the poor, to the one who has injustice performed for the widows, the motherless, for those who cry out for mercy, for those who are weak. It is those whom Jesus says 
when calling Matthew the tax collector, yes, those who need a physician because they are sick with sin and thus they truly need the sinless birth from a virgin to take away the filth in their hearts. And what is the response to our Heavenly Father sending his firstborn? If I may use the words of Micah as well as the Apostle Paul, Micah 6, 7, and Paul, Colossians 1, 15, our response must be the same in kind in which the Lord has shown to us. If it is not registered in our hearts, let Paul lay the foundation of our response to Micah's encouragement. And I thank a person in this congregation of reminding me in this text in Galatians just this week, listen to this wonderful passage that Paul says, how do we respond this morning? But when the fullness and time had come, God sent forth his son. What does Paul say? Born of a woman. Born under the law. To redeem those who are under the law. So that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying Abba father so you are no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir through God is that you are those words yours in your heart this morning this one born of a woman in the humblest of surroundings in Bethlehem enters the world for one purpose, to die for our sins and to raise us up to a free life in his love and grace. And thus, as we are forgiven our sins, we are to forgive those who sin against us. So according to Micah, what is required of the sinner whose sins have been forgiven by Christ's death? What is to be our response? That's why we read chapter 6. In verse 7, what does the Lord require of you now? Now that Jesus has come into the world and your heart is set free in Christ, what does the Lord require of you? To do justly in Christ through his spirit to love kindness, mercy in Christ 
through his spirit to walk humbly, if you will, Bethlehem terms of the image of humility of our Savior coming into the world. You are to respond by walking humbly with your God in Christ through his spirit. Because those who believe in Christ confess his name, repent of their sin so that his spirit so that in his spirit, the people of God in unity, let this be the voice of unity of our congregation this morning, taken from chapter 4, verse 5, will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Is that going to be characteristic of your walk? Is that characteristic? of your walk right now to enjoy and live eternally in the heavenly Jerusalem of God's, of the peace that comes in Jesus Christ. You, you must see, you must see that Jesus comes into the world in Bethlehem. And what does Bethlehem mean? Do you know what the term Bethlehem means? It means house of bread. Only in Christ, only in Christ, the bread of life from Bethlehem will you, will each of you participate in the true peace, the true shalom of his kingly rule and dominion in glory forever and ever. Not in an earthly Jerusalem. Your place. Your place. By the bread of life. Is the heavenly Jerusalem. Let us praise God. For sending Jesus. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, don't allow us to miss the humble beginnings of your providence that shakes the foundation of the world where the ruler the king of kings
comes from. In human terms, such a place would never be thought. But by your divine grace, by your divine grace and mercy to us, you have chosen even us, the lowly, those who are marginal, those who are outcasts, to be part of your glorious kingdom. Where else can such love abound? In Christ's name, amen. Our final hymn is number 203, number 203. Let us stand and sing 203.
Our great God and Father, the great gift has been given unto us now, O Lord. Receive these gifts, even in their weakness, even as they are material in this world, and may it strengthen the spiritual body of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Let us worship our Lord and our King with our tithes and offerings. Let me just remind you, please sign the cards as you leave uh, this morning uh, for those who are unable to be with us. Hear the benediction. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
many, many of your works go um, unnoticed, but uh, we know that the Lord sees all things, and um, we are very thankful to have you with us, and we would like to give you a card that reflects our gratification and thanksgiving for your service. Somebody would tackle him on the way. <laughs> but Chrissy deserves all. <laughs> Thank you very much, congregation. Blessed Christmas to all of you.